Hello, my friends, and welcome to Farm Machinery Digest Radio. I'm your host, Ray Bohax, the hot rod farmer from New Jersey, from Cat Swamp Road. And I want to thank you so much for joining me today. So if you're listening to this guy with this funny accent, it's either Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern, or it could be Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern on Rural Radio, Sirius XM Channel 147. And you could say, Hot Rod, it's 2 o'clock in the morning and I'm listening to you. Well, that means you are listening to this episode as a podcast. So you could either go to my website, farmmachinerydigest.com, or most, almost every podcast hosting site we're still working at, and you could get the back episodes one week after they air on Rural Radio. They're ho- they're listed as a podcast, so please keep that in mind, and they're there in its entirety with all the breaks and what have you, so it's the full SiriusXM Rural Radio experience. And so, uh, so check that out at farmmachinerydigest.com, or you can go to your podcast hosting site. Also, you could check out my Idle Chatter podcast. But anyway, that's not what today is about. So what I do want to say is there's going to be a slight change to the show, a name change, not to the radio show. It's still Farm Machinery Digest Radio. But the Under the Sheet Metal segment, which is always at the end of the show, is it's going to be changed to Meet Me in the Farm Shop. And that's starting today. And the reason why I'm changing it is because, number one, under the sheet metal kind of implies that you're working on equipment. If I want to talk about the AC line voltage in your farm shop or talk about a grain bin or a planter, well, it's not really under the sheet metal, right? And the second thing, most importantly, is that I've been blessed. And it's been, I don't want, it's had a slight gestation period like everything in life, is that I've been blessed with the opportunity to do what they call short form video content for for RFD TV. And it's going, and it's that is going to be called under the sheet metal, and they're educational voiceover segments, and they're about two and a half minutes long, and they're going to air on RFD TV, and they're going to air during the very popular market day report, which goes from nine a.m. runs all the way through to two p.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday. So those are going to be called under the sheet metal. So now on the show, the radio show, it's going to be Meet Me in the Farm Shop. And I like that name, Meet Me in the Farm Shop, because that's what you're really doing. It's a little bit longer than I had hoped for, but hey, we'll work around it, right? That's what we're all about. We're farmers. We always work around everything. And on today's episode, what we're going to do is we're going to be discussing the three common senses. There's more than that, but the three common senses that you will find either in your farm right or on your equipment and it's very very important for you to understand how they work and the proper way to check them so that's what we're going to discuss right after the break and remember agriculture runs on machinery but profits on reliability go beyond alternative and discover a world of emerging indie artists and groundbreaking sounds on sirius xmu Commercial-free mix of innovative music from bands, producers, and singer-songwriters, alongside classic sounds from the artists who inspired them. Indie Music Discovery is on Sirius XMU Channel 35, or listen at home with Amazon Alexa, Google Assistant, or however you stream in the house. In 4-H, we believe talent is everywhere, but opportunity is not. And the gap this is creating between our kids is only getting wider. There are many causes, but it mostly comes down to race, what their parents earn, and where they live. 
This can mean less investment in schools, in after-school programs, and in community services. It's all made worse by unequal access to education, technology, healthy foods, and the mentors who inspire our young people. The recent pandemic has pushed some kids even further behind. It's time we provide opportunities for all our kids. It's time to invest in their potential so they can help our communities and our country thrive. Not in the future, right now. We believe nothing should hold a kid back. And if we all pull together, nothing will. Visit 4-H.org today and join us. Hello, I'm Ethan Wayne. John Wayne and American Experience is in its second year in the Fort Worth Stockyards and visitors are loving it. Come spend a couple hours and immerse yourself in Western nostalgia. Get a unique look into Duke's life that's only available here. All right, mister. You asked for it. Tickets available on johnwayne.com or they may be purchased at the Cowboy Channel Bar across the street on Exchange Avenue. Reserve your tickets now. Welcome back to Farm Machinery Digest Radio. So let's talk about sensors. And there's sensors all over the place. I mean, you know that. Your sensors on the engine of your vehicles, your farm equipment. There's sensors, let's say, on the combine header. Where do you think it gets rotor speed from? All the, all the, other, all the other aspects of the data that you see in the combine. I'm not talking about the yield monitor. I'm talking about the monitor, the dashboard, or whatever you want to call it. It's not even really a dashboard today. All right, uh, in the combine. Or let's say you have a grain a grain dryer or your planter, right? It's a singulation. How do it, how is it? it doesn't have somebody standing there counting the seeds dropping in. All right, rough ride, smooth ride. Where do you think it comes from? That all comes from sensors. And what I want to explain to you is just as I was saying, is that human nature being what it is, that we go into the field and we see only the area that is not what it's supposed to be whether it's a washout or is a or you're working on equipment somebody you could do an engine swap do something and something oh you did a beautiful job but no 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 you see that the with a you see where the wrench if you're like me all right you see where the wrench slipped and you and you rounded off the paint off the 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 the, the head of the bolt all right that's what you see you don't see everything else that's what you see and in essence that's what happens lots of times with sensors because remember a sensor any type of sensor i don't care whether it's on your refrigerator or your washing machine or your combine a sensor is taking a mechanical state or condition all right could be a mechanical state or it could be a condition it could be temperature what's the temperature in the freezer how much humidity is in the grain bin all right what's the rotor speed how many seeds are being dropped all right and taking some sort of condition and converting it to an electrical signal so that a microprocessor could understand it and it's that rudimentary the logic inside the microprocessor the electronics the theory the circuitry that's very complex but as far as anything else is concerned all a sensor is is a data gatherer it's going out just like you were saying you know you look underneath the hood right i'm always looking underneath the hood you go always going in my going always going in my field i hate this year going in the field last year i loved until the, the hail came because i was proud as a peacock all right and uh, but it wasn't me it was the good lord that made it the corn beautiful but the good lord also took it away with hail 
So, and you have to be just as grateful when both of those things happen. But anyway, to get back to sensors, so the sensor is looking at some sort of condition and it's reporting. It's just it's reporting, just like you scouting in the field for aphids or something. Come back and saying what's going on. Now, predominantly, what you're going to find, and there's variations in between this, but predominantly there's three types of sensors that you will find on your farm. And this could be on equipment, it could be in a grain bin, a grain bin, a grain dryer, or anything else in between. Could be in your refrigerator, as I said, right? And and oh, it's starting to rain pretty hard. And the three the three types of sensors, this microphone picks up everything. Your last week, I don't know if you guys caught it, but I had the crickets in there and i was uh, listening to the show the other day in the car sunday night uh, to go someplace and uh actually to be quite honest with you somebody our cat donald sadly is still missing but we're praying that he will come home we have faith in the lord and somebody thought they spotted him but it was not it was a false alarm because i did see the cat that they spotted and uh and i listened to the show uh, coming back from the person's uh, uh well person's house we'll say that and uh they uh what i was going to say is that I, I heard the crickets on the radio show so that's really not that that's really not that good <laughs> but anyway so there's predominantly three types of sensors that you're going to run into and one is called a thermistor and that is used to to measure temperature another is is a magnetic trigger and the third type is a hall effect switch now switch not sensor switch but they all fall under the guise of a sensor but it's called a hall effect switch and i am hopefully going to get into that in a couple of minutes now a thermistor is a temperature sensor so it reads it reads temperature that's all it reads is and it's going to now it's the opposite and i've said this on the show before it's the opposite of a resistor so whereas a resistor changes it increases its resistance as it's heated a thermistor as it's heated its resistance drops down so a thermistor, it's T-H-E-R-M-I-S-T-O-R, thermistor instead of resistor, is a, is a, is a very temperature-dependent resistor, all right? Because resistance is opposition to current flow. So when we say it's a resistor, it means it's controlling current flow, all right? So it's a temperature-dependent resistor, and it's very sensitive to small changes, in temperature so it's it has a what we would call very high resolution and a thermistor is always two wires so it's going to have a power supply and historically on equipment and in most microprocessor control things it's five volts all right but you always have to confirm that if you're doing diagnostics you have to confirm what is they call that v ref if you see it on a on a on instructions or on a on a, a schematic it says vref so then it's a voltage reference and then usually what the output usually is called the signal return so if you send the sensor five volts it's measuring what it comes back so that is a thermistor two wires two wires and it's very and you will find that throughout the farm you'll find that it is an engine coolant sensor on anything not the temperature gauge but engine coolant for the ecu all right for the control unit you'll find it in your refrigerator you'll find it in your freezer you'll find it in your grain bin your grain dryer all right you'll find it every many different places so it's a thermistor two wires all right and the important thing is that if you open up that circuit so an open circuit means that the that the, that the thermistor is is unplugged all right 
and it's completely open, and then they'll interpret that as extremely, extremely cold. Most engine management systems will interpret that as minus 40 degrees F, all right? So thermistor is used for temperature. Now, keep in mind that when you're checking a thermistor, you can check a thermistor with, and you open up the circuit, you unpower it, and you could put a resist, a resistor, excuse me, you could put a, a, an ohm meter across it, all right? So it's only two wires. You put the ohm meter because an ohm meter is non-polarity specific. So you could put the wires either way with the ohm meter and you need to read the resistance. You always want to use the lowest scale possible so you have the highest resolution. Just like you don't want to check 10 pounds in a lawn tractor tire with a gauge that goes up to 200 pounds because you will not get it accurate. That's called resolution, all right? And But the important thing is that for you to check a thermistor, you need to have a chart and you need to have a temperature rating so in other words the chart would say to you that at 60 degrees it should at 60 degrees fahrenheit it should be whatever 432 ohms all right so without that chart and without the temperature you have no idea what's going on and that is why you should always have a non-contact thermometer infrared gun the people call it all right i mean if you look at something all right you don't want to look at it and say okay i think it's 80 degrees all right, I think it's 80 degrees, so I'll look on the chart for 80 degrees when it's 75 degrees or it's 85 degrees. Because remember, as I said, it's very, very sensitive to small changes. And as a thermistor gets old or something happens, it could start to drift. We had that happen to our refrigerator. The thermistor drifted, and it thought the refrigerator was colder than it was, but it was, only, it was 60 degrees in the refrigerator. The thermistor thought it was 40 degrees, so it didn't run the compressor. All right, so keep that in mind. All right, next thing we're going to talk about is a magnetic trigger, and a magnetic trigger basically is um, exactly what it says. It has a magnetic field, and it has some sort of interrupter, a piece of metal that spins through it, and it and it produces a sine wave. Now, the proper name for a sine wave is a sin, well, it's sinusoidal wave, but they call it sine for easy for 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 easy not not being a tongue twist i'm getting my my I always pronounce it wrong anyway so now a sine wave now a magnetic trigger where are you going to find a magnetic trigger well a magnetic magnetic trigger could be used to is usually used to determine motion a crankshaft sensor a camshaft sensor a turbine speed sensor on a transmission a uh, a, a, uh, a rotor speed on a combine all right so it's usually it's historically used <clears throat> with something that moves or rotates to determine some people call it a proximity sensor all right but it uh in essence it's a magnetic trigger now remember depending upon what it the trigger does not know what it's registering it doesn't know whether it's red registering registering the drive shaft speed or whether it's reading combine rotor speed or it has no idea what's registering the important thing to know about a magnetic trigger it produces a sine wave that's s-i-n-e and it could produce either a, a very a, a a soft sine wave soft is really not the proper word a smooth sine wave or a sawtooth sine wave a sawtooth sine wave looks exactly like a sawtooth that's why they call it a sawtooth sine wave but the the thing that you need to understand about these two sensors is that the wave 
is positive and negative and where it crosses and changes polarity so it's always changing polarity so it goes up and it comes down <clears throat> when i say up and come down if you looked at if you drew a picture of a sine wave on a piece of paper all right and or you looked at it on an oscilloscope you cannot see this on a voltmeter you could see it but you can't see its polarity on a voltmeter and so it changes polarity and where it changes polarity is called the zero crossing now most sine waves whether it's sawtooth or a smooth wave they need to have a minimum of 1.6 volts peak to peak so one so a minimum of that so it would be a minimum of 0.8 volts 0.8 positive 0.8 negative so that would be 1.6 volts peak to peak same thing with a sawtooth sine wave all right the sawtooth sine wave is actually just much more defined because it has a peak like a sawtooth so it's like a triangle all right but ultimately the sensor needs to produce a certain voltage peak to peak all right and if it doesn't produce it peak to peak what's going to happen is that the controller whatever it is on could be like i said going back to rotor speed it could be uh fan speed it could be vehicle speed it could be crankshaft speed it's going to read it incorrectly how is it going to read it incorrectly i cannot tell you you could not judge this all right that you need that you can't say is it going to read it high is it going to read it low is it going to uh, who knows how it's going to read it and the reason being is because it all depends on how the microprocessor is going to analyze that or interpret it is probably a better word it's not analyzing it's interpreting it all right so that's very very important so you could have a a a um a magnetic trigger that's starting to skew and it's only instead of 1.6 volts peak to peak every gets to a certain temperature it's 1.4 volts and then all of a sudden the engine hiccups or the, the the combine rotor speed flags that it's being wrong or turbine speed on a on a turbocharger shaft speed many many different places pump speed it could be on an irrigation pump all right especially something that has a duty cycle control it means it's controlling the speed of controlling the rpm it has to have some sort of way to control it. that's why they call it a feedback circuit because it has to be able to give some information hey we want a fan the fan to run so much rpm for what and i'm not saying it doesn't have to be a fan in the engine it could be a fan on an air conditioner it could be a fan on a grain bin in a, in a dairy barn so they have these advanced control logics now in these dairy barn fans that they change they pulse with modulate and they change the speed of the fan based upon all the sensor input they have a thermistor for temperature by where the cow is how so all of this comes together all right now the only way you're going to accurately check a magnetic trigger or magnetic pickup is with an oscilloscope you you could if it's dead all right then you could see it with a voltmeter you you cry you spin whatever it is and you put the voltmeter and read the voltage if it's got zero volts then you know it's dead all right but if it's skewing slightly you're not going to be able to see it all right because you need to see what they call the rise time how quickly that arc comes up and does it go to a peak or does it flatten out especially with a sawtooth type of sine wave is that you need to be able to see that picture and the last sensor we're going to talk about is a hall effect switch it's called a switch and that's always three wires it's going to be v ref signal return all right and it's going to be a ground 
that produces a square wave. Now, depending upon where the voltage in the ground is, how it's wired, it could be what they call, <clears throat> it could be a voltage being pulled high. That means it's zero voltage and it goes high, or it could be a voltage be pulled low, where it could be a fixed voltage. And when it goes through this magnetic pickup, it goes and it pulls the voltage down. So it could be from five volts to zero or zero to five, or 12 to zero or zero to 12. All right, but the important thing about a Hall effect is that you also need to look at this accurately under the oscilloscope because the most Hall effects, <clears throat> you need to have a minimum of an 80% rise time. So take your finger in the air, all right, and then go, I want you to go across and then go straight up, all right, and then go across and then go straight down and then go across again. So do that, across, straight up, across up on the top and then straight down so that that right angle where you go from across the horizontal to the vertical is called the rise time it's imperative that it has a 80 that this wave has to be at least 80 percent square if it's not 80 percent square i mean not a nice sharp rise time so just like a picket fence stand on corn all right or nice clean end rows all right then what's going to happen is the microprocessor is not going to read it correctly and it's going to make the wrong decision depending upon what it's controlling i can't tell you what the decision is but it's wrong that's the most important thing and why can't you read this on a digital meter or an analog voltmeter simply because a, a digital or analog voltmeter reads the peak the highest voltage that that's the hall effect it's hall the man's name was hall h-a-l-l capital h puts out it doesn't look at the rise time and only an oscilloscope will look at the rise time so those are the three sensors that you will be dealing with on the farm hi i'm ag day host clinton griffiths and i invite you to join me as we cover the nation's food system from fields of green to orchards of orange and livestock everywhere in between America runs on agriculture, and here at Ag Day, agriculture is what we do best. Listen as our analysts track the markets, learn about innovations in technology and sustainability, and live the country lifestyle through the eyes of rural America. Join me, Clinton Griffiths, for Ag Day, the country experience. Hi, this is Red Stegall. I want you to join me every Saturday morning at 7 o'clock Eastern, and together we'll explore the life of the American cowboy through his poetry and his music on Cowboy Corner Collections. These are shows that we have recorded and aired over the past two decades, including the music and poetry of our friends as well as myself and the boys in the bunkhouse. With stories by America's great storytellers, join me as we ride through the West on Cowboy Corner Collections, Saturday morning at 7 a.m. Eastern on Rural Radio. Rural is the roots of our nation. Sirius XM's Rural Radio. Western sports, country music, comedians. It's an attitude. The rural lifestyle and the ag industry. It's not just farming. We've got everything from hunting, fishing, and conservation. Horses and horse training. Of news, weather, and the commodity markets. Sirius XM, it doesn't matter where you are in North America. It's always there. They'll have it in their trucks, in their combines, in their tractors. To hear Sirius XM's Rural Radio, activate your radio now. Call 844-711-8800 or head to SiriusXM.com slash go to sign up quickly. Hi everybody, this is Marty Stewart. Join me as I travel coast to coast, city to city, exploring America with sounds and stories on Marty Stewart's American Odyssey. Then stick around for the Marty Stewart Show, bringing the brightest stars and the best music straight into your home with the help of my fabulous superlatives. 
It all starts Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, right here on Rural Radio. Welcome back to Farm Machinery Digest Radio. If you have any questions or anything about this or anything else, please feel free to reach out to me at Hot Rod Farmer at FarmMachineryDigest.com. And please know I welcome your questions. I welcome anything I could do to help you. I used to have the special delivery segment on the show, but the letters got to be too long. But if you reach out to me, I will get back to you and I will help you to the best of my ability. And if we need to open up a telephone conversation i am a hundred percent in for that my goal is to help you to the best that i can do whatever we could do right to make it happen i'm a cb can do but now we got to get tex rubinowitz in here from ripsaw records because he's the hot rod man and he's gonna bring us into the new meet me in the farm shop segment Thank you so much, Tex. All right, this is the first Meet Me in the Farm Shop for Fourth of July weekend. I forgot to tell you that. Happy Fourth of July. It's not the Fourth of July, but it's going to be the Fourth of July. All right, so what we're going to talk about today in Meet Me in the Farm Shop is co-oping equipment. Today's farm equipment allows for efficiencies that were unheard of even 10 years ago, but that complexity requires tools and service equipment that most farm shops do not own and is usually quite costly. An additional concern being it is an investment that may be only used once a year if even that. How can you limit your financial exposure and still have the equipment you need and the tools to properly service your machinery? Make a co-op purchase with a few like-minded friends. And the important thing is like-minded. For example, a top-of-the-line AC recovery and charging station costs around $10,000. If you were to purchase it with three others, your investment would only be $2,500, so $10,000 divided by four. But the most important thing is agree on all the arrangements before the first dollar is invested, and then there is no downside. You all have the equipment or tools you need for one quarter of the cost. And that is so important because you look at different things. I have that here on the farm. There's there's pieces of tools. There's a piece of tools or tools or a piece of farm equipment. They say, I'm only going to use this one day a year. All right, what am I going to do? Or I may never even use it for two years. But I'm really talking about the idea of co-oping, not, nece- not necessarily farm equipment, a grain drill or something, but co-oping tools for the farm shop as i said an ac charging station all right an oscilloscope right a scanner you could buy these they have these beautiful scanners today all right that that you could you could plug in to read the the engine management system a lot of control logics on modern tier4 equipment but it's not something in the thousands and thousands of dollars that you're going to use every day so get together with but like-minded buddies and say hey how about we all invest in this and if you get more than four people you bring the cost down even more and that's very 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 important because you don't want to be without the equipment but you also can't bankrupt yourself buying something in anticipation that you may need this two years from now or a year from now it has to be that balance between having the equipment available and i'm saying equipment meaning shop equipment tools not like i said not a grain drill or something you have those tools available for you 
who have or AC charging station. Very important to service your AC systems because you don't want them to go bad on you. So uh, I want to thank you so much for tuning in. And I want you to know that the hot rod farmers pulling for you, the American farmer and rancher and my beloved, beloved America. You have a blessed day and I'll catch you next week. Thanks so much. How can you maximize yield and profits on your farm? Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. On the Ag PhD Radio Show, we talk about all the ways you can get the most return on investment for the crops on your farm. Our guests are farmers and experts in the industry, and we discuss the latest innovations in fertility, crop production, seed traits, and much more. We also answer your questions live via phone, email, or Twitter. Don't miss the next Ag PhD Radio Show, weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, on Rural Radio Sirius XM Channel 147. We believe talent is everywhere, but opportunity is not. There are many causes, but it mostly comes down to race, what their parents earn, and where they live. It's made worse by unequal access to technology, healthy foods, and mentors. It's time we provide opportunities for all our kids. Nothing should hold a kid back, and if we all pull together, nothing will. Visit 4-H.org today and join us. Hi, I'm Mike Pearson, host of AOA, heard Monday through Friday right here on Rural Radio from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern Time. Each day, we'll talk to those making the news in markets, ag policy, trade, and rural health care. And you'll hear from the ag and political leaders about the pressing issues of the day and what they might mean for the future of agriculture. So join me here on Rural Radio from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern Time for AOA. The necessities of life, food, water, shelter. And your favorite radio hosts, this is Jeff Tigger Earhart. Tigger. And Rebecca Warner, a.k.a. Beck. Beck. Join us every week right here for the Ranch It Up radio show. And the Bend radio show. We talk cattle, market, sale barn reports, news. Cooking, lifestyle, outdoors, recreation. And everything in between. And there's a lot in between. Ranch It Up. And the Bend.